I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD eventful weekend it was well no it's it's still actually the weekend um as you are listening it's sunday but as i'm recording it's it's late saturday actually it's 2 a.m technically on a sunday because i just got back uh from my buddy's house watching i mean that was an amazing event that was an amazing event ufc 261 Really fun. It was a good weekend. It's been, again, it's been a good weekend so far for my sports teams. The Knicks keep kicking ass. The Yankees have maybe gotten their heads out of their ass. And, um, but this, this, I want to open up with this MMA shit. I mean, like we joke about on the show how the Knicks are playing so well that they're making us want to, they're making me want to not talk about the Yankees? Dude, that 261, that pay-per-view, that's that's all I want to talk about tonight. Like, that's all I want to touch on right now. That was amazing. That was exciting. That was thrilling. A pa- I mean, a packed freaking crowd. In the middle of COVID, past midnight, you had a packed crowd there in Jacksonville to watch UFC 261. I mean, if that right there, if that does not tell you how big this sport is and has become, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's it's better than everything, dude. It's so exciting. I get into it more than I do any other sport I watch. I don't even consider this a sport. It's just, it's real shit. But it's so much better than so many things. It's not, There's no money grabs in UFC. Right? You don't get YouTubers fighting retired NBA players and, and other journeymen from other sports. No. I mean, this is so much fucking fun. Especially with the fans, dude. This was my... You know, this was my first ever MMA watch... With fans in the seats. First time ever watching a UFC fight. With fans in the seats. Live. Because remember I hopped on last summer. And actually. As a matter of fact. I hopped on during the first. Usman Jorge fight. That was the very first UFC fight. That I started watching. To where it came a religious thing for me. You know, that's the first fight I started. The first fight I watched as more than a casual fan. That was what started my diehard, you know, junkie fandom. But yeah, I mean, it's so fun. What the crowd, man? The excitement, the chance, the jeers. Holy crap. It is so much fun. So much better this way. I mean, how could you ever. How would, how would you ever want to go back to. Having no crowd after that. That's how I feel. Like it's so. I enjoyed it without the crowd, but seeing this now, having felt that for the first time, and could you imagine going? I, I need to go. I need to go to one of these things. Absolutely need to go to one of these. It's fucking nuts. Just watching it on TV, it just seems so amazing. Oh man, the UFC is so fun. And they do a great job marketing their product, right? They do a spectacular job marketing their product. But that's not to say it's all hype. It's not just overhype. Like, they market it, but it's actually a good watch. These big cards almost always certainly live up to their name. Like, they never disappoint. At least not since I've started watching over the past year. Crazy. Crazy. I I love it. I love it so much, dude. I am so into this shit. Sorry. Getting a friggin' text from my buddy at 2 in the morning. 
You know, I like I I my um I used to not tell anybody my number. I used to not even tell my family members. <laughs> Believe it or not, my phone number. And I went on like that for like uh, maybe a couple years because I hate like group chats. I hate group chats. Anytime I get into a group chat, I will. I don't mute it because if I mute it, it doesn't send a message because they don't know. So what I do is I leave the group chat. And so that way it'll say so-and-so you know, RJ has left the chat and I do it every time. So they get the, they get the notice of, of, Oh, maybe we shouldn't invite him into the group chat anymore. I can't, I just don't like my phone constantly buzzing. I don't. So that's how petty I am. I make sure they know that I don't like it by passive aggressively continuing to leave every group chat that I'm in. But I, yeah, I'm in this fucking group chat right now, and it's it's still going on. They're talking about the MMA fights, but like, chill the fuck out, guys. I um, it was a good fucking card. It starts out, you see. Well, first of all, the whole thing with Jake Paul, crowd booing him, f Jake Paul, f Jake Paul, and then he he gets in a little bit of a confrontation with DC because obviously they have a you know they've got their little feud. That was interesting. I can't stand this kid. And listen, I think Dana White said it best. And for for as much people who is who don't, I can't fucking speak for for the. I know there's a lot of people who dislike Dana White, but you have to actually think about this with logic. With he, with what he's saying, and I know he lost a million dollars on that fight with Askren and Paul, but he's saying the right thing, and I've been saying it, and a lot of people are saying it. The guy has to fight real people. He's got to stop nitpicking people, retired players blah 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 and actually fight boxers in their prime let's not nitpick it here and let's not fight random let's if you want to call yourself a professional boxer i want to see you continuously defeat or at least compete in boxing matches with professional boxers so no more this retired nba player retired wrestler MMA Bellator guy and, 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 and Askren and I forget the two other guys who fought him before but like let's actually fight some professional boxers in their prime let's try and do that next so I DC has got a beef with him but I understand everybody who doesn't like Jake Paul in MMA they make their points because they're saying this and like when like, can we get these guys to come over here for a change they wouldn't last a fucking second. Are you kidding me? I have so much respect for these MMA guys going over there. But until one of those guys can come over to the MMA, to U to the UFC, and do some mixed martial arts, I'm not going to respect them. Not their smack talk, no. But dude, fight a real boxer first. Before you get all cocky. But hey, he's, he's doing his thing. He's making his money. He's getting people like me to talk about him. And so that's that's why he's at the top. Um, but yeah, they, they, they were confronting each other earlier in the night. Uh, but the fights were good. The actual fights were really good. The prelims were very sharp. I saw a couple of the prelims, but I was, you know, trying my best to, to watch the Yankee game. I was doing the dual screen thing. I had the Yankees on the big screen and the prelims were on my tablet. But they were good. They were sharp. Um, but you know, I just, it all that whole, the whole preliminary fights are just a wash to me now because I'm still thinking about the main card. Um, the Anthony Smith fight, um, I heard that the, the kid, he beat crude, crude, a younger kid, he blew out his knee. So that's very unfortunately, uh, very unfortunate. But you know, as I was watching that fight, it ended in the first round, but in early in the first round, it crashed on me. So I actually didn't get to see the end result there. Um, but that was unfortunate. Also unfortunate, man. Oof. Hill versus Chris Weidman. And this is the same dude who fought Anderson Silva. And, uh, you know, obviously what happened to Silva with his drastic injury. It's like it's it, it came, I don't want to say full, full circle because that sounds disrespectful. But it's fucking weird because Weidman, Weidman the same dude who fought Silva when Silva had the horrific leg injury. He now gets the a horrific leg injury. Very similar. The first kick he threw, he, you could see the bone. Oh, 
God, it was gruesome, dude. And they showed it. Oh, snapped. Just snapped. He immediately went to the hospital. I think uh, Olivi said he's scheduled for surgery Monday morning. Or maybe Sunday morning. Um, but yeah. Again, as you're listening to this episode, it is a Sunday morning. As I'm recording, it's technically Sunday morning. Early, early morning. Two in the morning. Because I got home late from my buddies. And I had to take all these notes for the podcast tonight. But um, yeah, that was unfortunate. But then we get to the three title fights. Three title fights and hope, man. Were they good? I had three knockouts. How could you not say there were three knockouts? For the three biggest fights of the night. You had Valentina versus Jessica Andrade. Give Valentina Shevchenko Amanda Nunes again. I'm, I'm, I don't care. I know she lost twice to her, but... And I know, you know she'd have to go up a weight class. But, I mean, it's a moneymaker. Who else is she going to fit? She's a monster. She's pissed off. She's motivated. She's ready to take on anybody. You could see it heading into this fight. She was ready for it. But they asked Dana, the presser. And he, you know, he basically said he wasn't thinking about it. And he'd only do it if they came to him. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Keep an eye on that. You know, Valentina's a beast, but she had a good victory tonight. Um, again, she was she had a game plan. You know, attack, 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 and go right to the ground. And she took her to the ground right away. She had five takedowns in that first round. Um, she almost got Jessica to tap on the fourth takedown, but she somehow managed to escape it. But then the second round comes and she gets her with the, the crucifix elbows for the TKL, right? She fucking, she gets Andrade into a clinch. Then she dumped her to the, you know, to the canvas and landed a bunch of elbows. And she, as soon as she started throwing those elbows, the fight was called. That was it. So just a vicious, vicious fighter is Valentina. Uh, but yeah, could you imagine giving her Amanda for a third one? So only two. Those are her only two losses, I believe, um, against Nunes. But, but man, she's a monster. She's becoming one of my favorites. You know who is my favorite right now, and I, I think I could say right along with Holly, um, with Holm, um, fucking Rose Namajunas. She took the straw weight tonight. And a lot of people did not expect her to take it from Waylay. But she took it. I was so proud of her, man. It was awesome. An excellent, awesome, emotional moment. Joe Rogan was crying. She was very emotional, and I could feel it. Just an awesome moment with that crowd. She's a very humble human being. But, yeah, it was so good to see her take that, man. She's now 5-1 and one in her last six fights. Um... Gave Waylay her first ever UFC loss, her second ever MMA loss, but she took the title, and it was just such a, a feel-good victory. You, she's easy to root for, man. She's easy to root for. She, I don't see how anybody could dislike her. She's so cool, and she took it. She, you know, the first round, she was was it the first. Yeah, it was the first round knockout. You know, she was hovering outside the octagon a bit, you know, where they got a couple kicks in, but Rose went straight to the head with that left, that high left kick. And I don't think she was expecting it, Wele, and she fell right on the canvas and jumped on her and then threw a bunch of punches and they called the fight from there. <laughs> She's a monster, dude. She's, Yeah. It was her 10th victory in MMA. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Maybe 11th. But I think it was the 10th. Yeah. I uh, My betting was all fucked up tonight. I had some good hits, but the losses ruined everything because it was all parlayed. I gotta stop doing parlays. Parlays ruin everything. If I stop doing parlays on everything, if I stop doing parlays and, and just fucking went straight bets or maybe you know, round robin shit, I think I'd be a lot better off. But they get so enticing because they give you such a better payout. But I wanted Rose to win. She won. Um, I had Valentina winning. She won. 
I wanted Jorge to win, but in the back of my mind, I had a bad feeling he was not going to win, and there you go. You got Usman taking home the win with the KO. Um, you know, Jorge got some leg kicks in early. He, you know, got him with a few jabs. Um, Usman did, and then Jorge you know, attempted a knee, and the fight kind of just went to the ground for a bit. Um, a few minutes later, at the end of the round, you know, it came back to their feet, became a stand-up fight. Um, Jorge landed a few shots. He landed a nice punch, a nice knee, and the round was over. And look, you know, you could have made a case that it was 10-9 Jorge after that first round. Um, but the second round comes and you get Usman just defending the welterweight title with a vicious overhand right for the knockout. And, you know, put him to sleep. He was snoozing for a couple seconds there. Um, eyes were shut. Didn't look like he knew where he was. And unfortunately, Jorge took the loss and, you know, gets him to the ground. Does Usman. And he, you know, lands a couple of hammer fists. And Dean calls the fight. So. Um, yeah, I mean, for two guys who have, you know, said out loud they don't like each other as fighters and as human beings. They sure showed a lot of respect for each other after the fight, and I like to see that. I thought that was a nice moment there where Jorge went over and pretty much gave him his respect. He said, listen, you know, you beat me twice. I had a full camp this time, and I still couldn't do it. So, you know, they both showed respect for each other, which I like to see. And um, that was that. And it's unfortunate for Jorge, man. You know, I wanted him to win this. He's now 4-5 and five in his last nine fights. Uh, he's 12-7 and seven overall in the UFC. Uh, he took his 15th loss in MMA. 15th loss. So it sucks that he's kind of tapering off a bit. Um, you know, I was talking to my buddy. Do you think he retires now? I don't think so. Just because he's a money guy. You know, he's all, he's kind of a sellout, but I'm a fan of him, but he's going to, you know, find some money fights. But what they are talking about is Kobe Covington now fighting Kamaru Usman. And that's probably going to happen. It seems like, yeah, I mean, Dana White pretty much confirmed it. So I, I would expect that to happen in the fall, maybe. Um, but yeah, they're going to fight again. First time around, obviously, Usman broke Kobe's face um but he made it he made it tough and they were saying on the on the uh pay-per-view tonight Rogan was saying how you know um Kobe's Kobe's his toughest opponent yet he was and so that's gonna be a fun fight to watch Kobe's a fun fighter man he's fun to watch he's exciting he's easy to love easy to hate you know um all depending on where you stand with some of his views um, but I, I like him. I like the guy a lot. Um, I, I love his energy. I love the attention he brings. And he's a damn good fighter. He deserves a title shot to me. So it was a great night for 261, man. Just so many exciting moments. Again, just having the fans back to me was the biggest thing. Being able to watch a fucking UFC event with fans. Packed crowd. It wasn't you know 20% capacity. It was a packed crowd, man. People were going. And it was loud. It was exciting. Thrilling. I was stoked for it. And it lived up to every bit of the hype. So, very impressed with 261. Those are my thoughts. And, you know, I'm sure I don't have very much um, knowledge in this sport. Being that, I'm, you know, again, I'm just a year into this whole thing i'm a new fan but i'm becoming more glued to it and i'm learning a little more each time i watch these things every saturday night so bear with me you know if my terminology isn't exactly on point or if my pronunciation on some certain fighters is not exactly correct bear with me but great great 261 um i i've even been enjoying these these you know i've even been enjoying these fight nights to be honest with you, I know some of them aren't the greatest names, but to me, again, somebody who's not really used to everybody yet, it's not much of a difference because you're just watching a bunch of fighters when you're fairly new. 
Um, but I am getting to know a lot more. I, I have, again, I have my favorites. I have people that I like to see lose. Um, but I'm still learning. I am still learning this and I love it. I love it. So 261 great. What's going on everybody? Yes. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 237. I just spit of the podcast of BD4. Uh, the Knicks are balling out right now and we are going to get to the Knicks in just one second. But before we start talking Knicks, I want to ask you guys that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, be sure to subscribe to us right now. You can go and sub to us on YouTube where you can watch the podcast as opposed to listening to the podcast. Or you can sub to us on, you know, all the platforms where you can listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, you know, also called iTunes, um, Spotify, Anchor, where we are sponsored, um, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. You can go on Google Podcasts to listen to us. You can listen to us on Radio Public. Why did I repeat that? Um, you can listen to us on plenty of other podcast feeds. Um, you can also follow me on social media. And if you want to follow along with my blog and subscribe to that, where we recap every single Yankees game and every single Knicks game, be sure to do that too. But again, be sure to also subscribe to this podcast if you haven't yet. Download it. Give us a five-star rating if you want on iTunes. Um, we do episodes on the Yankees after every series. And we do episodes on the Knicks after every two games. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I, you, we may as well get started and start talking about these Knicks. Because I sure as shit don't want to go on too long. Because it's pretty late at night for me. As I'm recording, it is 2.43. Um, the very second I speak. In the morning on a Sunday. All right, let's get to it. Let's head to our first break. When we get back, we'll start talking Knicks. All right. Hey, fellas. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. That is linktr.ee slash RJ Carbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. They took on the Hawks a couple nights ago uh, on the second of a back-to-back, -back, uh, but the Knicks still picked up the victory. They picked up a, an impressive overtime victory, 137-27, to where the Knicks defeat their buddies, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, fuck the Hawks. They gave us the fourth seed, so thank you so much for that. Lone, uh, sole possession now. Um, Randall dropping another 40 spot. Ho-hum, his third of the season. Um, six for eight, three-point shooting. 11 rebounds, six assists. Derek Rose in prime form. Manuel quickly at his best. They each score 20 points apiece. They combine to shoot 65% from the field together. They shoot 71% on their threes together, where quickly hit four of the five threes they combined to hit. Uh, the Knicks shoot 19 threes overall on 35 attempts. Nice to see them get the amount of attempts up that they did. And they had 29 assists. They had 29 assists. The ball was moving. Um, early on, it did not look great. You know, at least defensively, you had Trey Young, who ended up going for 20 and 14 um, torching the Knicks. He was wreaking havoc in the paint with Capella. You know, the Hawks were executing pick and roll to a T on the Nick Biggs. Um, you had Capella living down there, just owning the interior, uh, and then Young scoring in all facets, in all facets of the game. 
you know, slicing through our defense to go down the middle. Um, just, you know, killing us in the lane, excellent on the break, pulling up from different burrows, facilitating to his bigs at or near the rim. You know, we talked fucking Capella, fucking John Collins even goes for 18 points, but Capella goes for fucking 25 and 22. I mean, shit. So it didn't look great inside the, uh, inside the, um, the restricted area down on the low block. Just Capella living down there and Young making sure to feed him. Um, the Knicks, some poor transition defense early. Uh, the seven first quarter turnovers did not help. Um, but we tried our best. The Knicks tried their best to counter and, you know, keep up with the Hawks with some offense of their own. And that they did. You had Derrick Rose starting this game out six for his first six. Um, he had Randall going for 20 points before halftime. Uh, the Knicks had themselves a lead, even, you know, going into the break at one point. But, like, three-minute mark hit, that three-minute mark hit in the second. And you had Kevin Herter you know, scoring bucket after bucket, just torching R.J. Barrett with a series of jumpers. And he ends up scoring seven straight to cap off the half. And 16 of his 17 came in the first half. Uh, but the Knicks go into the half down 69-67. Then the third quarter comes, doesn't look promising yet. The Knicks still a bit steps, you know, still a step slow. You know, they, you had Trey Young a couple minutes into the third period, caught, kind of caught the Knicks sleeping on that inbound pass where he tosses that lead pass to Capella from three quarters court. Um, so that wasn't fun. Um, then you have Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel. They both go down. They leave the game. R.J. Barrett out here still struggling. He's one for his first 11. You know, Atlanta killing us in the paint. Um, Capella, again, just making a living down in the interior. And the Hawks at one point take an 11-point lead with a minute and 47 seconds left in the third. Once uh, that lottery pick, Okongwu, tips in Young's miss. So they have an 11-point lead with a minute and change left in the third quarter. Um... Fortunately, the Knicks get a bit of luck. Um, you know, unfortunately, rather, you know, for, for Trey Young's health reasons, he gets hurt. Um, you know, the final minute of the third quarter, he lands badly on Norvell Pell's foot. So it didn't mean to sound like that. What, what I mean, fortunately, they took advantage of his absence, the Knicks. You know, um, they end up getting some momentum and using that and exploiting whatever the Hawks were missing when Young was on the floor. They end up going into the fourth, the Knicks down by only seven points, you know, so. And the Hawks fans, you know, Hawks fans were using that as an excuse as to why they lost. Listen, what do you want to say? What do you want me to do? Say, oh, you're right. So let's act like the Knicks lost. No, the Knicks won. So I'm going to act like the Knicks won. Deal with it. We had, we had some people out too. We had Mitchell Robinson out. He's out for the year. We have Alec Burks out right now, who's been a crucial part to our playmaking and our shooting. So I'm not going with the injury excuse. I know Trey Young is Trey Young, but what do you want us to do? I hate when people say, use the injury as like, oh, we would have beat you if blah, blah, blah. So what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You're arguing. You're mad at me. Do you want me to say, oh, all right, sure, you're right. Let's just act like the Knicks lost then. No, I'm going to, they won the game. I'm going to be proud they won the game. It's like, but yeah, the Knicks use that to their advantage and they end up going into the fourth down just seven. Noel returns. Um, IQ comes in. He hits back-to-back -back triples to spark a 15 nothing Knicks run. Randall hitting some buckets during that span. Rose dropping in a few buckets. Um, excuse me. He hits that three-point shot. His only attempt from there. Um, it falls, and that brings the Knicks up 116-109 with about 446 left in the fourth quarter. You know, the Hawks kind of respond, though, a bit. You've got Collins and Bogdanovich tying the game with a couple of makes. Um, but then Julius counters with two big shots of his own. He gets that fallback baby jumper on the right baseline to put the Knicks up two points a bit later. Um, another dagger puts, um, puts one in. He bodies Collins. With a strong left-handed take. Just bullies him. 
and that puts the Knicks up three <clears throat> with a little bit of time left. Uh, but then you get you know Nate McMillan calling the timeout, and then right out of the ATO again the Hawks executing out of the ATO, and the Knicks of course do not execute out of the ATO. I do not know what it is, but we never come through in these scenarios. Um, you got Reggie losing Bogdanovich on Capella's down screen. Noel late with the help. Late on the closeout. Bang. Tie game. And to counter, Tibbs out of the ATO again. Designs the worst kept secret in basketball right now, which is you know, drawing up an isolation set for Julius. <laughs> he misses the shot into overtime we go. I don't know what it is, man, but these late-game ATO situations never go our way. We always seem befuddled. We never seem to have a plan out of them, and that's kind of surprising to me. I know Tom Thibodeau's not really an X's and O's guy, but to have them not really prepared, you know, in these ATO situations is like, whoa. You know, that's that's bothered me a bit. Um, he's not exactly... Mike Miller in those scenarios. You know, Miller was known for that. Um, but no, it's whatever. The Knicks end up winning in OT. They, they, the Knicks offense and their defense, outstanding in the extra period. They just erupt um, for a 15-5 to advantage in the period. Uh, the, the Knicks scored their first... They scored the first 10 points of the period the Knicks did. Um, you had IQ hitting the floater. Then he dimes one to Randall for a three-pointer. Randall later finds Reggie for three. You know, you had Patterson collapsing to help on the drive. Randall then kicks it to Reggie in the left corner. Um, then Noel later on capped off the run from the short corner, um, getting a beautiful inside dart pass from Julius. Um, then the Hawks kind of get up. You know, they hit a pair of buckets, but that was all they had. And yeah, the Knicks put the game away. RJ drives white. Uh, RJ drives right with the leaner. And then you had Reggie finding IQ on the move there for an elbow three. IQ hits it, does the little skip there at the end, and the Knicks pull away for the victory. So, a good victory there against the Hawks. First and foremost, you got to credit the bench. The bench unit was fabulous. They shot 70%. Um, Derrick Rose, amazing once again as the second option in this one, to be honest with you. You know, RJ was off early. Rose stepped up big as that floor general in the second quarter. Um, and I say again, man, his you know, his his aptness at putting the ball on the floor and playmaking is of the essence. I mean, without his creation abilities, um, you know, to be able to get to the lane and either kick it out or finish, the Knicks are stuck with someone like Peyton and his unpretentious game. You know, so to have Rose out there who's dynamic and so crafty as a vet you know he may not have that explosiveness like he did when he was younger before all the injuries but he's very crafty and he's very smart much smarter than he was then he's very smart um so you know when he checked in back in that third quarter it was such a sigh of relief man just to get Peyton off that floor and have somebody come in who's an offensive threat um, it just boosted my confidence. So he ends up going for 20 points, 8 for 12, 1 for 1 from 3, 4 rebounds and 3 assists versus 2 turnovers. So a good solid game from Rose once again. Um, he also had that beautiful lead pass to Obi in the open court. Obi ended up having a, you know, a good rebounding game. He had 6 in a dozen minutes um, and also showed some capability as a rim protector on a couple of possessions. So that was nice. Liked what I saw there. Um, great job from Rose. Uh, Noel and Tosh, you go to the bigs. They were great again. Um, obviously, Tosh Gibson left the game for good after taking a hit to the eye. And oh, you see them, if you saw them in the beginning of the game against, um, you know, the most recent game here against the, um, who the fuck do we just be? The Raptors. He looked ugly. Like, that eye was fucking red. And it was like half shut. It was awesome looking. Pretty neat. Uh, but he leaves the game early in the Hawks game. Uh, you know, during the beginning of that third quarter. But still gave him a productive, you know, four points, three boards, one steal across nine minutes. So doing a nice job setting screens and, you know, kind of setting the tone in the paint as well. 
Um, Noel, you know, he had some, Noel had some issues kind of, you know, defending Atlanta's pick and roll, but, um, their pick and roll game is strong. They attacked him with it and, you know, it was hard, but he still finished with a solid nine, 12, three along with three blocks. So, and he led all starters with a plus 11, you know, he still played fairly well. Um, also flashed that baby jumper that he's kind of starting to show a little bit more recently. It's good to see that, you know, because like you don't have a lot, the Knicks have a lot of rim runners. They've got obviously Mitch, they've got Noel, who I consider a rim runner and Pell, but to have Noel expand his game a little bit outside that, you know, paint that, that restricted area, it's good. You know, it makes him a little more dynamic. Um, so, yeah, we talk about how, how we like to see Taj, how Taj isn't exactly limited to basic rim running, how he could put it on the floor a little bit. Um, so it's good to see Noel, you know, little baby jumper, a little three, four footer. Um, but back to the guard play, how do you not mention IQ in this game? I mean, he was so fun. Just more momentum shifting buckets. You know, he broke that tie lead in the game, sparked the run. That's what he does. He just comes in and he provides big baskets that change the tone of the game. Some floaters, uh, some more deep threes, the movement shooting in motion, doing his thing, doing his fucking thing. I really liked his shooting. The playmaking is what really stood out to me. You know, we talk about how his playmaking has kind of tapered off a little bit on the year, um, as, as especially since Derrick Rose has came onto the scene. He's playing more of an off-ball role, but... He did have four assists. He did have four assists. And you like that one possession in overtime where he waved off Julius, fed RJ, and then he hit that running three-pointer in motion off the Bullock assist. That was cool. So he's starting to show you know some of that lead guard, playmaking, leadership um, a little bit more lately, like we saw earlier in the season. So that's good. Combine that with his shooting, and that's going to depict his you know, future as an NBA player. Is he going to be a really good sixth man? Or can he be a starting guard caliber if he develops some kind of playmaking game? Um, but I really like the way IQ played. Going for 20 points on efficient shooting. Four for seven from deep. Four assists. Um, and he only had one turnover. Reggie Bullock, 18 points. Six for 11. Um, another brilliant night from him. Randall and Barrett, again, big performances. They continue to show their development, just going nowhere but up. Um, RJ, obviously the big third quarter. Uh, but great defense, especially in overtime. You know, helping on the weak side, denying any kickouts. Uh, I thought he did a very good job both ways tonight, RJ Barrett. Um, and Randall, his, again, his third 40-point game of the year. What can you say? You know, and, another 40-minute effort, like his six gajillionth 40-minute effort of the season. Um, but hey, he keeps producing, so I have no issue with it. Um, and that was it. That was the game against the Hawks. That was game, what, 59 of the season, maybe? Or 60? That was game 60. I think today was 61 Sunday. Or Saturday. Fucking can't keep track. Um, but yeah, the Knicks defeat the Hawks in overtime. A 10-point victory. Good to see. Let's head to break. When we get back, we... We'll talk about the Knicks-Raptors game from Saturday. Hey, fellas. So, really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribe to my blog, or follow me on social media, even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. Nine in a row for the Knicks after this one. <clears throat> excuse me nine in a row they beat the raptors 
120 to 103 ended up being a blowout. Um, yeah, nine in a row, longest since 2013. Eight years, next man up mentality. Just keep doing our thing. Another matinee victory, beating a Raptors team who are coming off four straight themselves. Um, they just beat the the New Jersey Nets in their previous contest, so good to to kind of blow them out. Um, it, you know, it almost got a little too close for comfort there at the end, but we eventually prevailed um, due to our defense there. Um, but yeah, we had control throughout this one. Julius Randle, another thirty piece. Um, Six in the last seven games now with 30. 31 points, 10 rebounds, 5 out of 7 from 3. He's a 3-point fucking sniper. His jump shot overall, his shooting has just been incredible. Um, RJ Barrett, 25 points, 8 for 16, 3 more triples, 12 rebounds, 4 dimes, and a plus 23, the best amongst the starting 5. Um, Derek Rose. 19 more points for D-Rose, 7 more assists. He's 7 out of 10 from the floor. He's 5 out of 6 at the line. 4 rebounds, 2 swipes. Another great defensive game on the ball, in the lane. Another night where Rose shows up, and another night where Alfred Payton ends up sitting out in the closing minutes because we have Rose and IQ doing their thing, and... Alfred Payton limited to 15 minutes. Um, IQ, not a lot of scoring, but he was at least efficient going two for four from the three-point line. So he seems to have broken out of that slump, and he's no longer hitting that rookie wall, hopefully. Um, the Knicks, as a unit, go 16 for 31 on their triples. That's 52%. They're 56% on their field goals. A lot of ball movement, a lot of player movement. Uh, the fluidity... And the offense was pretty damn good, must say. Um, first quarter, we come out. And Julius, like he always is in the first, comes out scorching hot. Gets his first three three-pointers to fall. Uh, he's in double figures by the end of it. You know, Toronto had to start throwing extra defenders on him. They trapped him on every touch. But that did not matter because Julius would just, you know, Swing, he would swing it around, he would spin off of him, or he just shoot over a defender. Um, but yeah, once Alfred Payton sat, the bench unit came in at the end of that first. Taj had that sick move when he puts the ball on the floor, he you know gets that crossover spin, that hesitation finish, and you know, some excellent handles, some really good footwork. Um, and then you have Rickley checking in quickly in rows. Um, and the Knicks started gaining some separation, right? The second Peyton comes out, shocker, the Knicks started fucking playing better. It's like magic. Um, Rose thrown in the floaters. IQ hits that three at the top of the second quarter. Um, you know, why Toronto switched a big onto Emmanuel quickly on the perimeter there, I do not know. The world may never know, but I will take it. And he did. Um, but the Raptors were tough to guard themselves. You know, they were... The Knicks were dropping off. You know, they were dropping off and daring them to shoot. Which, you know, that scheme, that drop-off, the arc scheme that Thibodeau likes to run defensively is... It's... I've developed major fucking anxiety because of that scheme. It makes every single time an opponent flings one up when they're wide open, I... And then they end up missing. I'm like, oh, thank God. It's it's worked to perfection this year. I do not know how, but for the first half, it, it kind of wasn't against Toronto. They were hitting their open threes. He had Van Vliet catching fire at one point. He was even hurting us down the middle in the lane, too. So, a rough defensive first half. The Knicks still enter the half up five points. You know, Rose in the, in the second unit defense played pretty hard in the quarter. Um you know, they were up 64-59, but it was still a very nerve-wracking game. Was never comfortable in that first half. But, you know, the start of the third quarter didn't really change things. The third quarter of doom, at least, to start off, um, reared its ugly head. You know, and, and I wonder why. Could it be because number six was back on the floor? No, right? I mean, the tunnel vision, Peyton started turning it over. 
And you could see the body language on his teammates. RJ didn't look happy with it. Randall looked frustrated, visibly frustrated. Gosh, I can't stand Peyton. Um, you know, the Raptors end up taking a lead. You know, but a few minutes later, you know, middle to the end of the third, EP checks out for good. Rose comes in, throws in some more teardroppers, and the Knicks magically find themselves again. It's like magic, guys. It's fucking clockwork. Um, fourth quarter comes. RJ Barrett comes alive. He drops 12 of his 25 points. Obi starts cooking. He has nine points in the game. Three for three from downtown. Um, or maybe four. Three for four. But he starts cooking. Really pulled us. What I thought was the, you know, when he hit back-to-back threes. Um, spotting up. I thought that was going to put the game away. And it looked like it. But. You know, the Raptors did not go down easy. They pulled within seven points um, when, you know, Anwobi, Van Vliet, Siakam each hit three three-pointers in a row with about three to five minutes left. Um, you know, Anwobi ends up with 27, Van Vliet 27, 5, and 11. Siakam has 26. Um, but the Knicks end up pulling away. They get RJ to finish them off with a series of points in. The Knicks clamped down defensively. And another good win. The bench, man, solid once again. We talked about how they shot 70% against the Hawks. Well, in this one, they outscored Toronto 43-11. to um, Derek Rose, you know, leading the bench again. Just more impressive three-level scoring from the veteran. Combined with, you know, solid playmaking tools. Again, the dribble drive is so crucial at the point guard position, and D Rose does it like no other because of his tool set. He's such a great initiator because of his speed and his tight ball handling abilities. He just creates so much offense from it. You know, him being able to drive like he does and being that driver, that slasher, it creates so many three point looks for the Knicks because you get these defenses to collapse into the middle, and they're all funneling in the middle when you see. You know, when Rose drives, they're collapsing. And that leaves them, you know, the, the the defense susceptible to open shooters. And he's kicking it out to Reggie Bullock. He's kicking it out to RJ in the corner, to Randall. Every fucking time this guy drives, defenses have to respect his drive. Because they know he's still a very quick and acrobatic finisher. And it works every time. He kicks it out, the Knicks hit. He doesn't kick it out, he'll fucking go up for a finish. Or he'll pull up for that mid-range shot he likes. He's got a strong mid-range, and the three-point shot he's even falling to right now. So, love the way Rose has played for this team, especially lately now that he's got his conditioning back. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but there's a stat I saw. The Knicks are 18-7 and when Derrick Rose plays in a game. He's a plus 26 in the box score to lead all scorers' players today. <clears throat> um... Him and Obi play so well together, man. I love him and Obi in the front in the open court is fantastic. They're both transition players. Um, but also Obi is a spot up, you know, stretch four guy. Combine that with, like we said, Rose's drive and kick game. Just fantastic pairing. Want to see them paired up more together, especially now that Obi's starting to play a little bit better. Give Randall a break. Um, RJ. Reggie, Reggie had 16 points, and the Knicks are 22 and six. 22 and six when Reggie goes into double figures in the scoring department. So that's pretty cool. So you get Reggie and Rose both doing their thing. You're most likely going to win a game. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, but yeah, it's good to see him step up lately, especially without Alec Burks. Um, you know, both he, Rose, and the other guards. You know, have been great. The guard play, the guard play lately has been fantastic. You know, without Alec Burks. You have R.J. Barrett even starting to take it up a notch. You know, he's starting out these games slowly in that first half, right? Not getting a ton of ball time, sporadic touches, missing some shots. But come the third quarter or the fourth quarter, he goes off. You know, he had 20 points in the second half tonight. Or this afternoon, rather. Um, you know, taking advantage of Anobi. And you know, attacking the mismatches, going ISO with him, playing bully ball on him, just completely bitching the mismatch there. Um, 
And, you know, the offense was kind of being ran through RJ in that second half. They started the game, actually, the Knicks did. Uh, very rarely they do this, but they started the game running the ball in RJ's hands. So, um, always like to see that when he plays that, you know, that point forward type of position. It's good to see him play that positionless nature of basketball. Um, and he thrives in that role. You know, I love when they set the high screen and rolls for him. And when they get RJ going downhill, he's obviously a threat. Um, but he's been doing his spot-up three-point shooting thing as well. So he's he's another guy who's dynamic as a scorer right now. And the Knicks are at their best when RJ's at their best too. So I thought he was good. He was good leading that second unit as the ball handler very well. So good game for RJ. Randall, of course, another outstanding performance. Um, the guy's all-NBA. You know, he was the all-star. Looks like he's going for the MIP. But this guy, oozing with confidence, playing so well every night, he's got to be an all-NBA guy. You know, at least all-NBA third team. Um, the guy was shaking his fucking head tonight because, or today, because he, he knew, he just knew that Toronto had no answer for him. They were throwing everything they had in the kitchen sink at him, but he was still... <laughs> Figuring out to go. When they trapped him, again, he'd swing it, spin off of it, or shoot over them. <laughs> Just amazing. Just amazing. Um, now, they were... Uh, Julius was on the Woj pod earlier this week, and they were talking... He was pretty much just... It was really cool. Seeing how the front office took him out to dinner and how they were discussing with him during the offseason um, what he wanted to do. What was his plan what did he think the Knicks' plan should be? You know, how do they get it to all work? Um, he was mentioning how World Wide West was there with him, talking to Rose, talking to Kenny Payne. It was a really awesome thing to hear, and I suggest you go check that out. It's on the Woj Pod. Um, Randall was talking about it with Adrian Warsanowski, and yeah, it was really cool. Um, just saying how. They were asked, they came to him, and he really respected that. And um, look at the player he's turned into be, guys. I mean, this guy was somebody who all of us were fucking criticizing in his first season with us. The inefficiency, you know, the, the 20 and 10 didn't come with efficiency. It came with a lot of poor defensive efforts, and it came with a lot of missed shots. You know, three-point shooting, the mid-range. The shooting, again... <clears throat> The shooting has been drastically better. The decision-making has been much quicker, much smarter. The defense has been so much better. He's an at least average defender now. I'm so impressed with this guy's game. And Again, we were talking about it earlier in the year. Eventually, they're going to have to make a decision with the contract. Uh, they're going to bring him back next year, probably. They got the option. But after that, Sometime during that, do you extend the guy? Do you extend him and throw him in the bag? I mean, I don't hate it. They're, they might have to. They might have to. This guy's balling out. I understand you can't pay everybody, and we'll get to that talk more during the off season. You know, with, with having to pay Mitch um, soon, and you know, looking at Lonzo and free agency, and Randall's going to be off the books soon. So you're going to have to figure out a way to maneuver around it. But I'm telling you. He keeps putting up numbers that only Larry Bird has done. It's going to be hard to say no if you're the New York Knicks. Um, so another great game from Randall. Um, One-eyed Taj. Nine points, five rebounds in 19 minutes. Kept doing his thing. Nerlens Noel only had one point. Only had five rebounds. But it felt like he was all over. I mean, his fingerprints were all over this game. Um, two steals. Those two huge back-to-back momentum-changing blocks in the third quarter um, ended with four blocks. We're talking about Randall and all these accolades he should be getting attention for. How about Noel? You know, the Defensive Player of the Year consideration. That's not that far-fetched. He's been so fucking fantastic. In Mitchell Robinson's absence, guys, I thought once Mitch went down... That this defense was going to take a huge hit. That the Knicks were not going to be able to defend the rim like this. And they were not going to be able to defend the middle like this. With these, you know, dribble 
happy guards in these pick and rolls. But we're defending that so well with the drop coverage and we're being able to hold down the rim exceptionally well with Noel and Gibson, two guys who, you know, these last couple years have been misfits and haven't exactly had a, a home, you know, or a niche on a specific team. But they have been perfect stopgaps for the New York Knicks this season, doing their job exceptionally well. Um, so I'm so happy to have this Knicks team play the way they're playing. I'm sorry that we're kind of rushing tonight. I know I'm talking very fast and slurring my words and rushing over things, but I'm tired, dude. I have had so much to cover in the podcast, so I'm trying my best to get in what I can in limited time. Oh, I'm trying to fucking sleep, so let's head to break. When we get back, I think we'll wrap it up. We'll talk about some last, you know, some final thoughts here, and we'll get to the question of the day. <laughs> All right, be right back. Let's get to a plug. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. They're a good team, the Suns. You know, they are up next at MSG. That's a Monday night game. Um, so you have the hottest team in the NBA coming off nine straight versus one of the best teams in the NBA, second in the Western Conference. Um, the Western Conference has some good teams too. So the Suns are on pace for 50 wins in a shortened season. Um, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be a fun game, but... Think about that, man. Having to, we can finally, we are, what, we have 12, 11 or 12 games left in the season, and we're playing in a meaningful, intense basketball game? That's fucking awesome. Good to finally have that. Um, Yeah, that's that's the Suns game coming up on Monday. Um, then after that, it's the Bulls and the Rockets, who are very freaking beatable, so... That's the positive, that if we slip up against the Suns, we have two teams, you know, you know, and of course trap games, trap games exist, but you do have two teams who, if you go into it with a serious mentality, you're able to beat. Um, after that is, you know, we won't even go there, but it's it's the, the dreaded West Coast trip um, to kind of wrap up the season there. We have a couple games after that. We finish with Boston, but... Um, you know, game at a time. Phoenix up next at the Garden Monday night. So that's going to be fun. Um, Devin Booker versus RJ Barrett. DeAndre Ayton versus Nerlens Noel. Julius Randle. Um, yeah. Very excited to see. Oh, Chris Paul versus Derrick Rose. That's a fun matchup. Alfred Payton better not get a lot of playing time because Chris Paul is going to cook him. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it for this for this episode, guys. Episode 237 in the books. Let's get to our NYY, NYK question of the day to wrap this thing up. So for episode 237, I'm sorry, for episode 236, the question I asked you guys... Who led the 2012-2013 Knicks in assists for 36 minutes? Who led the 2012-13 Knicks in assists for 36 minutes? The answer to that question was Pablo Prigioni. Yeah, Pablo Prigioni in 2013 
led the team in assists per 36 with 6.7. <laughs> I love that guy. I was a big fan of him. He could shoot, a bit of a floor general. He was fun. Italian Argentinian. Um, tonight's NYY NYK question of the day for episode 237 brought to you by Anchor. True or false? Aside from Frank Nilakina, RJ Barrett is also fluent in French. Alright. True or false? Aside from Frank Nilakina, RJ Barrett is also fluent in French. Alright, so message me the answer on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can comment the answer once I publish this podcast on those three social media sites. Thanks so much, guys. That's all we've got. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't yet subscribed to BD4, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, or you can watch us on YouTube. And if you haven't subscribed to my social media or follow the blog that I write on the Yankees and Knicks after every game, be sure to do all that stuff on my link tree. Go to my link tree, linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Again, I am your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 237 of BD4. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'll see you guys next time out. I'll see you in the next episode, which is tonight, as you are listening, where we're going to talk Yankees. All right, guys. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.